So if we're going to do this, we should probably introduce it like a Bad Body podcast. No, no, no. No? I mean, we can. <laughs> but that's, our, that's kind of our introduction right there. That, that this is how good they normally are. <laughs> no, but I sent you a text at like two or three in the morning. I don't know where either one of us was, but I sent you like a title of like what, like the next like season of episodes for Battle Ready. Mm. And there was one, I think it was like episode five or six. The question I always get whenever I do like an Instagram thing or when people DM or people email or, or weird, even weird people who come to church and ask me this very awkward question of, who, when are you taking over Mosaic? And it's so weird, because you're alive. Yeah, I, I was in uh, Taipei, and this pastor asked to drive me from my hotel to the airport, so I thought, oh, he must have lots of questions. Is Pastor Kevin in here? Okay, no, pastor Kevin in. is- Poor guy, this guy and, from Taipei, he's gotten a few. And, um, yeah. and he asked me one question in the hour to the airport, what's your secession plan? And I thought, of all the questions you could ask about leadership or ministry or life development or whatever it is, the only thing you're interested in knowing, what's my plan for leaving? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, yeah, Dad, when are you going? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, but the, the, so the title that I wanted to, to if we're going to title this anything, it's There Is No Succession Plan. Because uh, I don't think that... I think a lot of times in modern day culture, pastors have positioned themselves like kings. And it's not on us to position ourselves like kings, it's on us to position ourselves like prophets. And to go actually back in time from a kingship to a place where actually we're building altars and sacrificing what we need to sacrifice for people that surround us and actually trust us with leadership. And we were having this conversation of how it needs to get back, to, I don't even know, we were talking about it right there, how it needs to go Old Testament with some things. And for us to be in a place uh, where we can actually do that. Uh, we were talking about there is no succession plan. We want to talk about how we got here, the fact that we are here and where we're going, and the culture of mosaic that surrounds that. We have core values. We have things that we believe in. But honestly, a lot of it is just in the wild. Yeah, and for me, whenever people talk about succession plans, it's such a limited way of thinking. Because, one, I kind of feel like you give the least talented person whatever's already established. And you give the most talented people the things that have not yet been created. So I don't want to give Aaron what I created. I want, him, I want to give him a platform to create. Yeah. Why would I want to burden him with my life? He has his life to live. Please, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But no, but a lot of it came from this. In Battery is the final chapter of, of The Last Era. And that's probably part of it is that um, it, Battle Ready came out of the theme of when I had cancer. 18 months ago? 18 months ago. It's crazy to think. It's it feels, feels like years. a forever ago. Yeah. But Has it been two years? It's been almost, almost two years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had surgery in January and uh, two years ago coming up. And, and I didn't know. We didn't know whether I was going to, you know. No, it was bad. Be here or yeah. not. And uh, it was pretty advanced and, uh, uh, you know, pretty uh, serious. Yeah. But I, I, I never even then, like, you know, I would say it's such a crazy thing because you don't know. I had cancer, and before I had surgery, I got hit head-on by a car that didn't stop at a stop sign and totaled my car. And I laughed, thinking, cancer's not going to kill me. I'm going to get killed by a runaway truck. <laughs> and uh, like, you may think you know what you're dying of, but you don't. And you don't know when you're going to die. So in the sense you... you a succession plan assumes you have so much control over the future. And so what I want to build is so many leaders that 
it's a diaspora plan where everybody goes and creates and does beautiful things. And, you know, I want Aaron to create a beautiful future. And I want Mariah to have a beautiful future. I want Lawrence to have one and Joe and Carlos and all of our team. And, you know, I, if my life only creates enough room for one person to imitate my life, it's been a really small life. And if my life can create a platform where many, many people can jettison from that place to live the life they were created to live, then I feel like my life has actually been meaningful. It's interesting, too, because I think that, you know, we started this podcast, we called it Battle Ready. It was the final chapter, and it was really like the kind of ending of this season because you had gone from, I still remember we were in South, we were in Pasadena where you told us. He took us to a restaurant to tell us that he had cancer. Okay, that was not my best move, all right? And, uh, and I just, my mouth sometimes is like a pirate, and, um, and I had some words. A bad, like, pirate. a bad pirate. A bad pirate. A bad pirate. And, 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 it, and I walked, I remember I was like, this is, this is, Silent, 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 silent. Not okay. And I walked to the bathroom and I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, man, if, if I'm it, I am not the answer to this thing. And the status of my soul, the status of my heart, the status of my character was not in a place where I could take anything over, let alone lose a father who has been so pivotal in my life. So then doing the, the podcasts, I think I left staff for six months and then starting Venice and then helping with OC, helping with Seattle, a year later, year and a half later, we're kind of in this different place where we, uh, we don't think like that anymore. We think like whoever's charging the hardest will potentially lead this season in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, like Emerson Nwatney started Venice with me and then he dipped super quick. Uh, to Mexico City and has just charged it. But life. he's not bitter at all. There's no bitterness. Not bitter at all. Not best friends anymore, but, you know. Uh, but I do think it's, it's, this, it's this interesting thing of, of we're, a lot of times people like, will come off platform. Like I came off when I did the, the compassion thing. And the first thing someone asked me was, how did you think you did? And I went, well, apparently from your question, not that good. <laughs> and and, and, I, and whenever, whenever I'm going to preach, whenever we're going to do something, people always go, you're going to be great. And I was like, I'm going to be something. <laughs> so if we're going to title this anything, it's there's no succession plan. I'm the future of something. And we're building something. And it's going to keep going. And, and we keep planting all these churches. And I want to ask you, why? You used to do it. You used to plant all these churches. And then you stopped it. And then what brought it back? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, I think you and Mariah are a huge part of it. Um, and because there was a season in my life where I didn't think I'd ever do this again. I didn't think I would ever be connected to the broader church or be writing books or speaking at events. And I knew that I loved Jesus and I knew I loved Mosaic, but I didn't really love the public space of, um, you know, of Christianity. And, um, and I thought, and I liked creating beautiful things and I really had a passion to be a filmmaker and I loved doing fashion and I loved creating art. So I didn't know I was gonna be doing this again. And, um, but, I, but it's really fascinating because I feel like you and Mariah became so intensely passionate about Jesus that you guys pulled me back in. You know, so, I, so it's like, what's the succession, the succession plan? Well. He brought me back in the ministry, so I guess I'm his secession plan. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, you know, him and Mariah led me back to this. And uh, with such an intensity, because you're singularly focused. 
you wake up every day and go to sleep every night. How do we impact the world in Jesus' name? How do we help one more person come to faith? How do we grow the church? How do we start new campuses? That's all you think about. Yeah. Literally, day and night. Yeah. That's all he wants to talk about. And it's a good way to lose a lot of friends. <laughs> oh, his mom was she she hates it. She's like, Can you guys talk about anything else? And I, I can't. See, that's the thing is I'm not as like neurotic as they are. And uh, I can talk about basketball or football. I can talk about soccer. I can talk about art. I love talking about science. I like I can talk about black holes or is it an alien ship coming in? Do you think from Madison? I did you hear about this? Okay, so if if you were here, how many of you guys were here last year? Comments. He did a talk called Event Horizon, and sometimes when the creative meet the creative team meets up, I think one of the last times we actually did one in here. And our creative team, if you don't know them, they're legends, and some of us in the back wall. And they stay up all night, like like once a month, like this week probably every night this week. But they but we were going through like the different messages that have hit us really hard. And he he uh, and what, me and Joshua Rose were talking about like this two messages. He did a message on fractals, and I still can't tell you what it means. Um, <laughs> And they did a message on her event horizon, which in my brain just it was the interstellar soundtrack. Which is the, the point of return once you enter into a black hole. Yeah. And exactly. so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So which then, is where you enter, enter into the quantum liquid and all light disappears. And so. My brain just doesn't even just explode. So he asked me not to do any messages like that. No, that's not even true. <laughs> not even true. I just said, no. hey, if you were going to title something, something, if you're going to title it, what would it be? And then he goes, check your phone. I DM'd you last night on Twitter. <laughs> and then what was the name of the asteroid that came? I'm trying to pull it up. Oh, they, it's, it has a Hawaiian name. And uh, that basically is implying that scientists believe it's a space probe from the other side of the universe looking for signs of life. And I thought that's kind of awesome. You know, because I remember recently somebody asked me, do you believe that there are aliens in, on other planets? And I said, I think that we're the aliens from the other planet. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, oh. And <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, what, what makes us think we started here? Like, why, why couldn't the creation story, why couldn't Genesis be another planet that we destroyed by our terrible decision making? And Noah's Ark actually be us that's, that's our mythological story of us traveling across the universe, oh finding a planet that we could exist in, time land out, time here. Out, time out, time out. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just vamping. You're gonna go there right now? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. but, and this is our secession plan. <laughs> okay. no. We're all getting on a boat and we're going to another Earth. <laughs> Keep going. No, my it's whole too good. but no, my whole point in that I don't know if I have a point, but is that I I feel like we don't spend enough time rethinking our understanding of reality. We we we've heard the same story for so long that we think it's the biblical story. And but remember, Copernicus was right. The the church was wrong, and when they wanted to kill him for being a heretic. They were actually killing him for telling the truth and for seeing reality more clearly. And so I, I feel like a part of, like, I don't know if I see reality more clearly. I just know that the reality we see isn't clear. And that the things that we assume to be true um, are assumptions, not realities. 
And I, I hate it whenever Christians hold on to a belief and think it's a, um, that it's, it, it's a conclusion. And then when the world unwraps the fact that it was superstition, we get confused. And see, I have so much confidence in the scriptures that I actually believe that there's nothing that will ever be discovered that will betray my confidence in the truth of the scriptures. But I don't have a lot of confidence in our interpretations of the scriptures. Because most of the time, we believe what we've been told, not what the scriptures tell us. Mm. And, um, and so I feel like a, a huge part of Mosaic, and everyone will talk about this a lot, you know, because everybody kind of like sees the art and the creativity and the innovation, and, and that's all really good. But um, I, I, what concerns me is that what people won't see is our the way we see reality, like the way we understand what it means to be human, the way we understand um, the human existence and the way that God works in real time. That for me is more important. I, I, I'd rather you walk away with a bigger view of humanity and what life is than, oh, they do this, you know? And because technology will always change. But if you can have new eyes to see the world in, then you really have something, you know, that will make a difference in the world. I think sometimes people think that Mosaic is me, and, um, and Mosaic is so much more than me. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because, like, I had nothing to do with this conference. Like, I have been on a journey of discovery with you. Yeah. I saw the merch the same time you did. I was going through just like a fan, picking out my merch before it sold out. I, we could, but we could talk about that. That was a big thing. So like mm -hmm. I was in New York for th two or three years, three years. And, um, and when I got back, I, you asked me, I think I was an intern and I was like cleaning things and, and there was really, there was, there was no job. You told me to start over. You wouldn't help me get a car. I was living in your guest house for free and that was going to change very soon. And and we had this conversation about what is mosaic because mm -hmm. you were thinking like there's lots of mosaics all over the world we can't get the name back like <laughs> there's no way we're talking about expanding and how do we do that but we can't copyright a name that's already been used by hundreds of different churches all over the world because mm -hmm. you named the church before the, the internet was really a thing yeah it's frustrating for me is that churches would take our name but they wouldn't try to even try to reflect our culture right and so we had this conversation i said mosaic isn't Mosaic isn't, um, and take my words, well, no. Uh, mosaic was you. I said, Mosaic was you. And, you. and you were the brand of Mosaic, and if you changed the name and you just said, Earl McMahon's going to do church in a random parking lot, there'd probably be a few thousand people that would show up. And that's a problem, right? Because when you die, so does this. And, and we were talking about like that five, six years ago mm -hmm. when we were having this conversation. And, and, and my goal when I got back was to build Mosaic into a brand that, that, uh, that people followed for creativity, all of the vision that you had casted, but actually actualized the things that he had spoke on for 10, 15 years. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, which has been funny because, you know, even just social media wise, Mosaic, we've gotten Mosaic to build and build and build. And I think we have churches all over the world to see us as creative, a creative influence in their life. And okay, I know we influence some of Adidas stuff. I know we influence some of Starbucks stuff, unfortunately. I know we influence um, a ton of different companies that follow us and watch us, and then I meet them, and I'm like, oh, thanks for giving us credit for your marketing campaign. And, but, uh, but even next year, because conference 2019 is literally said untitled, because 
We don't want anybody to steal the name yet. <laughs> because but, every year when we name our conference, it gets stolen within weeks. Yeah, but it's, it's flattering, right? So it, it is flattering, but when you see it in a, the corporate world and uh, within weeks, and like there are suddenly future ofs everywhere. Everywhere, all over Latin America. And, uh, and then conferences that, and then even in our own city, people take the theme and do a three month series on the theme that we're gonna use a year from now. So I just said, but, is, but I think that is the beauty of Mosaic. It's wonderful, but I just said, we're not gonna release our title until three months before the conference. So it's gonna yeah. be untitled. Yeah. And if you need a title, you probably don't belong at the conference anyway. Yeah, you're not gonna get it. <laughs> so, but that journey of like building a brand, right? <laughs> So now Mosaic, because we've talked about this lots, like, okay, there's mosaics all over the world. They're, some of them are going to be affiliated, some of them aren't. But where do we go from here? We've had this conversation a ton with Lawrence, and, you know, we were like, well, do we change the name? And then you were like, no, the name's perfect. And then we, we went to this place where we were like, it doesn't matter. Mosaic is open source. We're right? very open source. We're open source. Yeah. And so we want to give everything away. I think that what I want to make sure is that it's almost like, um, You're speaking a different language. Yeah. There's a great sushi place here called Sugarfish. And then if you created another Sugarfish, but you didn't keep the quality, and then when somebody says, hey, let's go to Sugarfish, you go, no, I've tried that. I didn't like it. And then you go, oh, no, that's not Sugarfish. It, you know, it has the same name, but it's not the same um, essence. And th that's what I really deal with, is I don't, I have no problem with, we want, I want to change the way Christianity talks about faith, about humanity, about spirituality. I want the language of the church to change completely. And if we've been successful, when we're done with all this, whether it came from Mosaic or not, will be completely irrelevant because it will be the future of humanity. Yeah. And, um, and, but what we want to make sure is that the language and the essence travel together in what it means. And that's really, really important. And that's kind of a bit of the, the, the thought process behind doing a conference. We're like, okay, we're open source, but then we keep getting frustrated that people keep borrowing things from us. So then let's just give them a DNA, like let's give them a, a place where they can actually get into our DNA, right. into our culture, into our So we our want system. you to steal everything right. Does that make like, sense? Like yeah. don't just steal the branding, steal the brand. Like what, what the brand really is, not just what the brand signifies. And like, I, I bought some Nike stuff overseas and it, it wasn't good. Some what? Nike stuff. I'm sorry if you're from Nike in here. And they, um, they sponsor this conference. Because, well, they, because I trust Nike. Like, I feel like I can go anywhere and buy Nike and I'm getting Nike. Unless, of course, you go to parts of Asia. And you get Nike extra small. You get, it's a different kind of Nike. It's Nike. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> that swoosh upside down. Yeah. And, and, and so, but if that's all you knew about Nike, would you would go, yeah, that's not really a brand I like, right? right. And, and, but I, and I don't want to digress here, digress here too much. Part of the reason we're doing this is because we want to give everything that we learn away. We just want you to get it at the essence so that it translates right wherever you go. Yeah, and, and there was a big conversation about, I was like, let's go dark. Because we built this social media thing, and I was like, let's stop it all. Let's go off the web, let's go off of live stream, let's go off of the internet, let's completely go dark, let it, let it die around the world, 
So we're the only place you can get it is here. And we decided we didn't want to make it Mecca. We didn't want to make it a place where you had to physically get here. We actually wanted it to be a place where we opened everything up. I used to give you a really hard time. You still do this. You leave your doors unlocked all the time at your house. Like I walk in at 2 a.m. I don't have a key to their house. I just walk in and he's on the couch watching who knows what on Netflix. And yeah, when my wife's out of town, I, I don't, we live right in the middle of LA. I mean, Hollywood sign straight down that way. Yeah. I don't lock the doors all night. Ever. Ever. You know, because I'm like, well, my whole family's gone, so everything I value is not here. I'm like, we value you. Lock yeah. it. <laughs> but you said that's how you want your church. You want your church. You yeah. said if anybody wants to come in and take something, all I, all I care about is that they don't take any human. They just take whatever <laughs> they need and they go. Yeah. And you're like, I want that to be the culture of our church where we're so open and so open-handed that people who ask for things get those things. Mm -hmm. That they get the help that they need. We get the culture that we need. And and you've, you've yeah. made it, the vision much bigger than just us. So part of the reason we're moving so, I, I mean, I'm moving at a pretty intense level. Tercy was asking me about traveling every single week for the last three, the four months or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I fly to Asia and back Monday through Thursday, fly to Australia and back Monday through Thursday, fly to Colombia and back Monday through Thursday. And, and I'm back and do all the gatherings here on the weekends. And a huge part for me is I actually think we're at an intersection in human history. Um, you know, yesterday I was talking about the human imagination. There's so many things I didn't say that I just so regretted I didn't get to say. But, um, but you can't say everything. But I actually believe that before I die, the church will be known around the world in a completely new form. That the era of the church being known for judgment and condemnation, the church being known for legalism and um, con conformity will literally come to an end and that the church will become the human epicenter for creativity innovation and beauty wonder i actually believe that before i die that we will we will experience the ushering in in an entirely new phase of human history and so um i can sleep when i die because i want to be a part of making this happen across the world and that's, that's what we're all committed to. That's what Lawrence is committed to. That's what our team is committed to. We're, we are not trying to do this for Mosaic. We are trying to do this for humanity. That's good. And it's, it, yeah. And yeah. I'm crying. And this German theologian asked me, <laughs> what's your secession plan? <laughs> and that kid just came a couple of weeks ago. He seemed really distraught by Mosaic. He actually said, I like being surprised. I don't like being overwhelmed. Uh, and he said, and this is overwhelming to me. And I just was so happy that Mosaic was overwhelming to him. And he said, what's going to happen when you die? Like, you know, and I, and I thought it was so funny. I told Kim later, my wife, I said, well, it won't be as significant as when Paul died. Dang, she real. Right, I was like, like, Paul died and we were okay. We were, we were good, right, you know? It's like, Peter died, we were, we were good. Like, there have been like awesome people who've been a part of the movement of Jesus throughout history. And I actually think there's a problem right now in the American church that we, have, we want to diminish the gifting in people. So this house church home church concept sounds so awesome and primal but it what it actually is is a diminishing of human capacity because what, what it's saying is that if you happen to have an extraordinary level of talent 
you should not actualize that in your life. Because there's some people who can reach 10 people, and that's awesome, reach 10 people. But why should a person that God's gifted to reach 50,000 people reach 10 people? I'm in a room with pastors all the time who are so like spiritual that they're judging every pastor who's more successful than them. And I, I cannot tell you how many rooms I've been in and I said, hey, can we just all admit they're more gifted than us? And then it just bugs us to death. Can, can we just take a moment of just honesty and go, we would kill to be them. And since we can't be them, we just want to kill them. <laughs> you know? And, and it, in reality is that people are not gifted the same way. But the church always thrives. And, and I, I feel like um, I expect the people who come out of Mosaic to be more gifted than me. And, uh, and that's why now, after all these years, I mean, you guys didn't need me for this event. No, no, we needed you. You're okay. About, you're about, I'm glad I'm here. You're about half the guest speakers. <laughs> and, uh, but I get to do what I do. You get to do what you do. And we think we've built a, a culture and a system that lets you do what you do. It was and so awesome when I saw what's on the screens. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and when you get to hear, I, get, I got to see what the band did. I'd not seen that before. Yeah. I'm experiencing it with you. And so when people come up to me and go, hey, when's this? I go, I am a pool of ignorance. You're, you're talking to the wrong person. See, I was playing basketball while they were doing that. I was like, I was going to the movies while they were doing that. I was enjoying my life because I have learned how to not micromanage and how to let go of yeah. things that really talented people create things. It's actually really interesting. I was, I was getting hit up while we were in this last session and someone, is, someone was posting stuff from the phone and like a major creative director at one of like the major churches in our system or world church world was like how are you doing this like how many staff do you have we don't understand and we have like, almost no staff we have about three that are creative staff and no. about joshua how many people are on your team 50, he's not even joshua's a volunteer and, and, yeah joshua's a volunteer because he refuses to, to hear god's call <laughs> And, uh, and come for it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we have like 50 volunteers. We put them in a box because we thought it'd be funny. You don't put creativity in a box. Uh, oh, they finally got it. Hey. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I was like, that's how we do it. And I was like, let us know how we can help. The conference is in a few weeks. And I was like, our creative team is your creative team once we're finished. But and it was just great, like, how do you manage it? Our people are drowning, and they have a team of 30, 40 people. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I think it's not me. It's definitely not me. I'm definitely not the answer. And I think that's the thing culturally that our, every single person on each team realizes that, like, when we do creativity, when we do even messages, I mean, you give me far too much credit than I ever should have. And we talk about how that gets us in trouble sometimes. And then, but no one on any of our teams ever takes the credit single-handedly. They always pass it over to the point of annoyance sometimes because you're like, who actually did that? And they're like, oh, I wouldn't know. But one of the things that Aaron did implement, which I thought was so amazing, and it was actually really tumultuous. Right. Um, before Aaron took over the creative community of artists and designers, everybody always put their names on everything so they could get credit. Every photographer, photo credit. In fact, I, we did one of our events and every page was filled with the credits of every single person, whether they took a photograph. And, and I said, what's, it, honestly, we were, we were like championing narcissism. And when Aaron came, he said, no one gets a credit. It's mosaic. And if you want to be on this team, then you have to give that away. Yeah. And some people just couldn't do it. 
They would rather not take photographs than not be acknowledged. They'd rather not create animation than not be acknowledged. They would yeah. rather not use their gifts yeah. than if they're not acknowledged. And Aaron created a um, anonymous, you know, we are a mosaic. Yeah. And the culture now is so beautiful. And now it's opposite. So who did do that? And I'm like trying to figure out and they won't tell, any, tell me who did it. Yeah. And they <laughs> always, if you talk to them, they always say we. Like yeah. you can't get one of them to tell you. No. Because it's, it's a we, it's a collaborative. It's a culture of we. Yeah. To not be cheesy. But, um, but I mean, even when you brought me on to do social media, I think I just deleted all my social media. And then I found Tess, who now runs creative. And I remember when I brought Tess on as an intern, she, uh, I was like, hey, we're only doing this until you can replace yourself. And she's like, what does that mean? Does that mean I get fired? And I was like, no, no, it means then now that you're that person's spiritual leader to help them. And then she, I remember when she found Joshua, uh, she, she was like, I think I found someone who's better than me, and he's way better than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, great. And then, and then he's now in the place where he's replacing himself. And now we're just layers deep of like this we mentality mm-hmm. of where they're not just creatives. They're actually like spiritual leaders. They're actually going to be campus pastors. They're actually going to be people who are leading the way on so many levels. And, um, but even to, to answer the succession plan thing, when someone asks me that, I'm like, I want to have so many names that are up for that, that I'm not the top of it, that I'm the bottom of it, that there's so much more talented people who could replace either one of us. Yeah. And I'm always hearing from our paid staff that the volunteers on their teams are way more talented than them. Yeah. And, and if you have a system where people are afraid to identify talent because they feel like they'll lose their job, yeah. you have a really low ceiling for talent. And if you affirm people and actually elevate them because they draw talent, I think the greatest gift in the world is to create space for talent. So true. And, it's, and Aaron would always say, you know, my sister has all the talent. She, she can sing, she can speak, she can do, you know, all this stuff. It's a lot. And uh, <laughs> you say, I don't have any talent, Dad. And in fact, it was, what do you do when you don't have any talent? And I remember when he was young, what, yeah. I, what would I always tell you? I if you don't have any talent, you have? I don't know. You don't remember? No. I'd always tell you you have the gift of leadership. Ah, uh, you would. Yeah, I remember that. Because I, I said, because if you don't have any talent and you have huge vision, you have the gift of leadership. Right. Because that means that God has designed you so that you cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. So that means you have to call people to it and bring them into it. It's so, it's it's, so good. It, it, I remember the first time I directed something, I, I said, hey, this is like painting without arms. Because when you're directing, you're having to like move talent and, and, and create an art piece without ever physically touching it. And it, leadership is like painting without arms. And, and it's like, he's not doing anything, so let's, not, let's move him out of the picture. And then when they're not in the picture, nothing happens. And then you put him back in, and all of a sudden everybody's awesome again. You ever notice like in professional basketball that there'll be players that become awesome on a team, and then they get full of themselves, and then they take a ton of money and go to another team, and then they're never good again? And that other team just wasted, you know, $20 million or $180 million, depending on the sport. Chris Paul. Traitor. Sorry, love him. Just kidding. Sorry. Chris Paul, though, like, for us to be real, you left L.A. He's, he's very talented. And, uh, um, <laughs> Savage, and if you yes, hear this, Chris Paul, we don't even want you back. All right. We collect but you, you know this. You know that you've seen this, right? What they didn't realize is that they were in a culture of greatness, and they benefited from the culture. The culture made them great. 
And, and we'll always have this dilemma here. People become great in our culture, then they think that they're singularly great. They leave and they drop like an anchor to the bottom and they don't know what happened. And usually they become bitter toward us because they feel like somehow we stifled their success. And they go, no, what happened is you were in a culture of greatness. And so you were being elevated. So you looked so talented. And if you ever get in a culture of greatness where you achieve at the highest level, you should stay there. And you should honor it and respect it because you can't even see what they're giving to you. And, and I feel that for myself. It's like mosaic is a culture of greatness that allows me to elevate. I'm, I'm allowed to think more inventively, more creatively. I don't know if I would think as, with as much curiosity and eccentricity if I was somewhere else. But mosaic gives me a culture and a context in which I get to dream and invent and create at a whole different level. And I see so many pastors do this, where they're wonderful in a certain city and so talented and gifted, and then they get, they get um, headhunted to another place. Have you ever noticed that pastors who grow churches like 5,000 get called to bigger churches and usually don't last more than two years? It's because they, were in a, they, they inadvertently created a culture of greatness for themselves. And then they got confused. They thought they were great in isolation. See, I'm not confused. You know, if there's a greatness in me, it's in the context that allows me to step into my greatness. But if you take me out of that, I'm like a cactus that you move into the rainforest. I, I won't know what to do with that. And, uh, and so you have to find your space and go, I'm so grateful to be here and grow in that.